Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. We've got Chris Schubert floating around as a producer. We're from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, folks, the national championship game. That's tonight, Kansas and Duke. We got the Masters Week coming up for golf. If you're looking to wager, head on over to betonline.ag. It is the number one spot. You can check it out on your desktop or mobile device. Sign up today. We'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. It's your number one spot for all the updated odds and info. They have player props and contests. You want to check out sports. They have live betting. They have Vegas casino games. They have poker games. It is the number one spot to wager on sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Got happy Monday to you. I see you got that corny draft hat on, mm-hmm. so I decided I'd wear a good draft hat today for mm-hmm. uh, ripping your seventh mock draft of the cycle to shreds, yeah. uh, which is our plan for today, uh, which I am much excited for. Chris, you want to throw up the itinerary down here at the bottom for him? Thank you. For, he's quick on the draw today, too. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, I sincerely missed you guys. And uh, hopefully everybody missed me half as much as I missed all of you. So we're going to talk about your mock draft today. I'm just happy your travel went as you expected and just a smooth, smooth weekend and all that. Yeah, you know, that's that's not what happened at all. I was a part of the uh, 25% or whatever of (laughs) Florida flight cancellations on Saturday. And my flight out was... 10 p.m. on Saturday night. So naturally, that doesn't leave you a lot of wiggle room when all the flights right. in front of you start getting canceled. So we uh, we flew to Richmond instead of Philadelphia and then drove. And that was an adventure in itself. But I digress. We're here. And we're going to be together this week as a collective mm-hmm. group with TDN mm-hmm. and uh, not flying into Florida. So I, I will have no hard feelings about getting back on a plane. All right, so this is Joe Marino guy. I uh, wrote a mock draft. Um, I have gonna, not hit it with the obligatory trash can emoji yet. I just want to let oh, you. Oh, Falcons know fans have. Falcons fans took care of that for you. They they want me. Um, they want me to be fired. Never do a mock draft again. Yeah. All oh, that I stuff, I man. see why. I see why. Yeah. They're very upset. Well, very been, upset. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. That wasn't my favorite pick. I mean, Chris, I, I guess we might as well start over here with with favorite picks. Um, I think my favorite pick, Joe, was at number nine, where you managed to get because you you slotted three quarterbacks in the top eight. You sly dog, and mm-hmm. the domino effect of that was Evan Neal, who not too long ago, right, six weeks ago was a pretty popular choice to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Falls to nine and into the laps of the Seattle Seahawks at a value that I absolutely love, especially when you take into consideration what Seattle and this regime has traditionally gone after in offensive linemen. Evan Neal checks those boxes. So, job Joe, I would tip 
my hat to you and say job well done, Evan Neal at nine to Seattle. Would you tip your hat and say that I drafted a good player for Seattle? Uh, yeah, you took care of business <laughs> with that pick at nine. I'm going to treat this mock draft just like it's uh, anyone else's mock draft. And my favorite pick was Chris Olave, 22 to the Green Bay Packers. Um, I shared this with Chris, I think, on Friday, maybe. Um, when we did uh, we did Michael Wright, his cross-check for, for TDN in one of the games that I fired up was Ohio State. And, man, it was such a fun time going back and watching Chris Olave. Dude, dude can run routes. Dude's explosive down the field. He's got crazy good hands. And for – Green Bay to kind of reset that receiver room with a player like Chris Olave at 22. I think that's a slam dunk. I love that pick. We've we've hit the point where Chris is underrated at this point, right? Like I know we yeah. we have been pretty steadfast on where we stand on him, but you know, in a very good wide receiver year, uh Chris certainly seems like he's he's a guy who has been a little bit more of an afterthought than he probably should be. Correct. Correct. Biggest surprise is up next. Um, Kyle, the biggest surprise is three top 10 quarterbacks, right? I mean, th- that's the yes. answer. And that, that's what I wanted to do. And, and sometimes people just get completely lost in the idea, excuse me, that mock drafts are simply thought exercises and we're just presenting scenarios. And so what I wanted to do for my seventh mock draft of the cycle was to give you guys a scenario where the NFL does what the NFL does and it reaches for quarterbacks, right? Like as we've worked through this conversation for months now about this draft class, we're forgetting that the NFL has year after year after year reached for quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins was a mid first round pick. Blake Bortles went three. Christian Ponder was number 11. EJ Manuel was a mid first round pick. This stuff happens. And so I wanted to kind of stay true to that idea. And so I had three quarterbacks going, honestly, it was top eight picks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yes. I, that's the surprise, but it's also a little bit of, hey, what if what if history continues to repeat itself and we see the league reach for quarterbacks? And, you know, I'm in on Malik Willis at two to Detroit. And then it's like, all right, Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Panthers, came out this past week and said, at some point, you got to take a swing at a quarterback in the top 10. And what are they going to do? Are they going to go down with Sam Darnold? Is Matt Rule's NFL legacy going to hinge on Sam Darnold suddenly becoming a good quarterback? Is he really going to do that? And then I just I, I was going to go quarterback for either Atlanta or Seattle, and I settled on Atlanta, put Ritter there instead of Seattle at nine, and, and that's why it went the way that it did. But the entire point was to give you this surprise of three top ten quarterbacks. So I want to ask you a question, and it, it yeah. has to do with Carolina and the quarterback that we are presuming that they are going to take. And we've we've pointed quite often to the connection with Kenny Pickett and Matt Rule and recruiting at Temple and yada, yada, right? Hey, We beat that storyline to death. There's a tweet. There's a tweet from Kenny Pickett's account that says, I've committed to Temple. It happened. Go ahead. This time around, the team's got to pick you. And my question is, it makes all the sense in the world for Matt Rule to draft Kenny Pickett because that's the guy that he has the relationship with. And we, we've seen that. I mean, we saw that when he went to Baylor, right? And just bringing guys with familiarity. And then when he first got to Carolina, bringing guys from Baylor. But is Matt Rule calling the shots in Carolina? And if he's not, 
is the guy who is, and I think we all know it's the guy who signs the checks, who's calling the shots in Carolina. Is he going to take that quarterback? Is he going to green light that quarterback for a coach who might have the hottest seat of any since we had 10 coaching changes this offseason? The guy who might have the hottest seat of any coach in the league coming into this year's, is he finally going to take this swing on a quarterback for the guy who his lame duck head coach recruited back all those years ago? You know, the answer is right. Dave Tepper is a Pitt alum who grew up in Pitt, and he just watched Kenny Pickett have literally the the greatest season an ACC quarterback's ever Good had. Call. I thought they won onto something, and I'll just sit down and shut up. I'll <laughs> you can finish you can finish the show by yourself. All right, so are we ready to move on to tell me why? We'll never know um, if you're not watching on YouTube. Kyle has. I want to leave you Return. twisted in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we can. We can. We can do. Tell me why, Joe. I um, need you to tell me why Tariq Woolen was the right choice for the Buffalo mm, Bills at twenty-five. Yeah, and so I did this on purpose because Bills Mafia has kind of challenged me to think outside the box with what the Bills might do at twenty-five, right? And you just know that Brandon Bean has a tendency to go after players just like you uh Tariq Woolen who is a converted position guy recently right like they like guys that are new to something like Spencer Brown was new to offensive tackle or uh, Dawson Knox was new to tight end or um the other players that are escaping my my mind right now they like guys that have that upward mobility they love traits and Tremaine Edmonds Josh Allen Ed Oliver they like those things. They like guys that have earned their way onto the NFL's radar. And so I don't think they're going to get one of these big corners. They're not going to get boot stingly sauce if they don't want to trade up. And so it's like, who could they sit there and pick that we're not thinking about? And so that was the guy that came to mind. Am I sitting here advocating for it and saying, I want the bills to pick Woolen at 25? No, but I thought for this thought exercise, draft dudes, alumni Tariq Woolen. Right. Well, and so, and he was phenomenal on the podcast, but I'm not sitting here yes, he and again, like he's not 25 on my board, right? Like that's, that's the reality of it. I like Tariq Wollin and, but this is what we, in the back eight, the back eight picks, the back 25% of the draft first round, it's always weird. So let's put something weird in there. That's what I wanted to do. So my, I go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to transition to my aunt to my answer, but you sounds like you have a thought here. No, go right, go right ahead. I my tell me on. why. I mean, I'm yeah, about my, the next one, so I'll, I'll okay. let you finish. <laughs> my tell me why here, and this is something that I did very intentional, which you know, a lot of everything I did was intentional. You think about these teams with two picks in the top 13, the Jets, Giants, and Texans, right? They've all got two selections early. And for every single one of them, I gave them an offensive tackle and an edge. For the Jets, Kayvon Thibodeau, Charles Cross. For the Giants, Ike Mikwano, Jermaine Johnson. For the Texans, Trayvon Walker, Trevor Penning. And I'm sitting here thinking, tell me why that shouldn't be the case. Like, they're ha- they all three of those teams have a really big opportunity here to get an impact player at edge rusher and offensive tackle. And I think that would be a wonder way, wonderful way for all three of those teams to maximize the return on those investments and prioritize premium positions, one on each side of the football. I'll tell you why. Because... Kind of the, the 
the the ruse is here. This you needed to manufacture this to draft Desmond Ritter at eight, right? Because if there was an edge, you'd have, you'd have given him the edge. I was I went into this mock draft saying Desmond Ritter's going eight or nine. So that the best way for you to find the scenario in which it happens, and listen, if if you want a predictive mock draft, come back the week of the draft, right? Like yeah. that's that's when we take our best shot. Right now, Joe, as you said, this is a, a thought exploratory exercise on how things might manifest themselves and why. And for us to get to a case in point in which Desmond Ritter goes eight, you need the edge guys to come off the board first because that's the other logical maneuver for Atlanta where if they, there's not an edge and that's such a, a prominent need for them, then okay, like maybe it does make sense to swing for a quarterback. Another reason why I manufactured it this way is because I had Evan Neal sitting there. And in my mind, Evan Neal to Seattle is a friggin' slam dunk where if I gave Desmond Ritter to Seattle at nine and, and I wouldn't have given Evan Neal to the Falcons at eight, now I've got a situation where Evan Neal's falling to 10 and I got Charles Cross yeah. dangling, you know what I mean? And it screwed up the tackles. And so, yeah, that when you write a mock draft at this point in the process, that's the crap you're thinking about. You know what I mean? Like... And that's just mm-hmm. me being completely honest with everybody. So sneaky good picks. It's time for mm-hmm. some sneaky good picks. And I scrolled off of mine. Oh, it's 26, Tennessee, Traylon Burks. And we've we've gone back and forth a little bit on Traylon Burks, right? Mm-hmm. But that A.J. Brown situation is <laughs> kind of at the front of our minds right now. And if... Hello, Chris. Oh, hi, Chris. <laughs> Conveniently enough, Chris shows up. Chris, I would like to ask you a question. Hello. You can have one of the former Mississippi wide receivers. Which would you rather have? A.J. Brown. Kalen Metcalf or A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown. Why? I, I just think he fits what they want to do a little bit more. Uh, I think the relationship with Elijah Moore is stronger there, and I think that's an important footnote to all of this. So I'm I'm all in on the A.J. Brown Express. Not going to be upset if they trade for DK. They seem to do well with these trades with Seattle, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take uh, I'll take uh, A.J. Brown, please. Okay. Thank you. Uh, um, so yeah, Joe, I, I, I like that stylistic fit, especially if A.J. Brown's heading in a different direction. If uh, if Traylon Burks goes to Tennessee, I, I've said this a couple of times. I think he replaces John New Smith. That role, not necessarily that he's going to be a tight end, but that hey, that right. that uh, what do you call it? Like leak into spaces, dump and run, a dump and run player for that offense, and that's that's what Traylon does. Well, and it's My it's Steve- important to note. It's important to note. You, know, you can get into same similar concepts out of different personnel groupings, right? Yes. So Traylon right. Burks can fill that role while taking AJ Brown's snap load. Like that's not, that's not something yeah. that you're going to have a conflict with. You can use different formations to use the motions to then get into those similar situations. So I think that's something that that uh, a common fan might hear and, and think that sounds weird, but you know there, there's ways that can be facilitated and done successfully. Um, my sneaky good selection: Daxton Hill, number twenty to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, look at the secondary for the look, look at the Steelers secondary right now. 
Hey, tell me you're not a little concerned about the makeup of this room. I know they have Minka, but like, what else do they have, dude? Questions, big time questions. And so I think a versatile player like Daxon Hill, who I love, dude, I love in any position in the secondary, any one of them, outside corner, slot, free, strong safety. I don't have any concern about Daxon Hill being able to be an impact player at any spot in the secondary. So it's like, it's like draft, and this is so weird. It's like drafting an offensive lineman that you feel like can play any of the five spots, and then you just figure out how to get your best five players on the field that offensive line. I think you can do the same thing with Daxon Hill in the secondary, and so I think he would elevate that entire unit in a big way and give them options. I like it, Joe. Thanks, man. Like it a lot. Best value? I guess I'll go first here. My my best Please value do. is something we already t- yeah we already talked about. This is Evan Neal at nine to Seattle. I mean, this is a guy that if I gave him to the friggin' Jaguars with the first pick, nobody would have thought twice about it, right? Like, oh sure, Evan Neal, first pick in the draft. Well, he fell to nine. All right, that's a great value, even in the top ten. And Seattle, look, I mean, Dwayne Brown's not back right now. Their left tackle situation right now is a major concern, and so. You know, if they're not going to pick a quarterback, if they're not going to pick a cornerback, they're not going to pick an edge rusher. I think the offensive tackle that could pull them off of those picks would obviously be Evan Neal if he gets a nine, which probably is not going to be the case. Yeah, I foolishly already burned this one because um, it probably should have been Evan Neal as best value at nine. I'll go Am- Ahmad Garner at 12. Yeah, uh, I, I know where I covet him as a player in this year's class, and he's my CB one. And Minnesota getting him at twelve, and they they brought back Patrick Peterson, so now you're putting him in a position to to learn from Patrick Peterson as well. And I think that's he's a top six player for me. And to get him at twelve at a premium position. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of get fortunate with the way that the chips fell with the edge guys and the offensive tackles and the quarterbacks, but you know, sprint that card up, don't look twice. You know, just just to give a little different flavor, I do agree. Neil is probably a more uh, dynamic value uh, versus expectations in the actual draft. Uh, but from my personal rankings, I'll do Ahmad to, to the Vikings. Last one is I don't get it. I don't get it, Kyle. I have my answer locked and loaded. Yeah, I, I'd like you to justify Kansas City of all teams being the one that that jumps on the Ajabo fall. Um, well, I, I think there's a lot of logic behind it where you have a team like Kansas City that suddenly has a bit of a surplus in draft capital. They hit big time on at least three players last year and Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and uh, Nick Bolton. And I think when you do that, it allows you the opportunity to take a swing. And it's like, it's part of why, I mean, I've con- this is, I'm going to expose myself because that would actually turn out to be wrong. I'll give, I'll give credit to like Miami, right? The, the Dolphins, they traded for Tyreek Hill. And part of my thought process and loving that trade for a number of reasons for Miami is because they have in, invested so much draft capital recently in players, right? Like you have, a ton of young players on your roster. And to me, that gives you the opportunity to say, hey, we will take this first round pick and use it 
on an established veteran. And I think for Kansas City, because they've hit on some of those picks, because they have their quarterback, I felt like they are the type of team that can prioritize a player that, if healthy, could have went 15 or 20 spots higher, take a redshirt year, and then it's like, oh, wow, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be better this year because they have David Ajabu coming off injury and he wasn't part of the mix last year. I think they're the right type of team to get that done. My I don't get it is is very simple. It's a quarterback to the Falcons. I don't like the pick either. Falcons fans, hello, if you're listening. I don't think it's a good pick. And not necessarily because I don't like Desmond Ritter. It's because I don't think the Falcons are in the position to add a quarterback. Like, look at this receiving core. Look at this defense. It's a big ask, right? Like, I think schematically, it would make a lot of sense. Like, Arthur Smith, I think, has a system that's going to be a bit quarterback-friendly, a lot of yards after catch, wants to run the football, all those types of things. Good fit for Desmond Ritter. But if you're Atlanta, you've got a bottom three roster in the NFL right now. You have got to get your infrastructure better before you start doing stuff like this, especially after you chose not to participate in the quarterback class last year and what your roster looks like right now. This is a tale as old as time, right? This is the are you ready to take a quarterback debate versus if we don't take one now, what is the opportunity cost and what what is the market going to look like next year to try to get a better option, right? And if you draft Desmond Ritter, I kind of hope you just redshirt him, right? Like you signed Marcus Mariota to a short-term deal, not a lot of mm-hmm. dollars affiliated with it. Oh, and Marcus got a bum rap down there towards the the end in Tennessee, but he'd be the guy that'd be like, all right, Savvy Vet, go ahead and, and navigate us through this season and show us why you need to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Not you, kid. Like, you stay back. Like, <laughs> we got to protect you, right? Like, right. So – you know, I, I know we we've had this debate with other teams at other times, and and we gave Chris a a little bit of the business last year about uh, we don't know that you're ready for a quarterback, and we'll we'll need to see what year two and year three look like for Zach Wilson to really get a feel for whether or not the Jets made the right decision. But that's the conflict with this decision with Atlanta here at eight. So uh, at least from that perspective, uh, I understand why you made the pick, even though you don't like the pick. The great Jordan Palmer told us a couple times on this very podcast, teams bust quarterbacks more than quarterbacks bust teams. And it's true. What's also true is we got a great week of programming ahead of us. So we hope you'll plan accordingly and come on back and see us. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, the Draft Dudes podcast, on your podcast feeds, on your YouTube channels. Sometimes somewhere in the States, perhaps on your radio waves. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.